Hey, what's up, sinners and choosers? Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. My name is Joe. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Not much time for yapping for me this week because I've got a great episode, and it's in two parts. The first part is with my guest. I'm so excited for you guys to hear. His name is David Romero. He is a still, centered, deep, peaceful soul. He's a yogi. He lectures on yoga at USC. He also, among a lot of other things, a lot of other types of healing, he does sound baths. And I went to one of his sound baths, and I got to sit down and talk with him about his whole life path and his process. And uh, it was a fascinating talk for me, especially if you're interested in sound healing, what that's all about. I got a chance to have those waves wash over me and, and purge the negativity out of me on a what felt like a subatomic level. So the first half of this episode is me talking to David. And then the last half, you actually get the recording of a sound bath I went to. So thank you to David, not only for sitting down, but for uh, being so generous to offer that. So if you want to know what a sound bath feels like, sounds like, you get a dose of it. This isn't quite as potent as actually being there and feeling these instruments in person, but you can sit down, lay down, relax, choose your favorite set of speakers, and just blast some healing into your body. So enjoy. So check out David at theyogidoctor.com. That's also what he is on Instagram, theyogidoctor. If you live in Southern California, highly recommend you run into him and go to one of his numerous teachings. And also just follow him on social media. He posts really good stuff. I learned about what OM means today. So that was pretty cool. Um, Other than that, I'm really excited. I finally have a monthly venue for my show. We're doing live Choose Your Own Religions, not podcast tapings, not me and a guest just talking about spiritual crap, which is fine and great. I mean, I hope you think it's fine and great if you've listened this far. But the live Choose Your Own Religions, we do, uh, it's kind of like a worship service. If you did, Instead of worshiping, we did comedy, but when we also did some worshiping too. Uh, and they're at the Clubhouse in Los Angeles and Los Feliz. It's going to be the first Sunday of every month at 6.30 p.m. The first one is March 4th, if you're listening to this before then. March 4th, we've got Nat Bay Mel. We've got Peter Banachowski. We've got Jonathan Rowell, all guests who have been on the podcast. Uh, We've got a couple of improv teams who are going to be improvising hymns and scripture for us. We've also got Lisa Loretta uh, doing some creationist comedy. I'm going to be dishing out some free wine as part of a communion. We're going to be doing a drum circle and other cool surprises. I love the couple of these I did last year, and I'm so excited to have a monthly regular spot to do these. Uh, I really hope you see some of you guys out there. Anybody who's ever come is an integral part of making each show unique. Uh, There's a lot of uh, interactive stuff with audience members. There's lots of chance for you to participate and for you uh, to share yourself and your voice. So I hope to see you guys out there on March 4th, 6.30 p.m. Anyway, that's all for that. Go to chooseyourownreligion.com for old episodes to find a Discord server for this. That's it for now. I love you. The universe loves you. Never forget. Here's David Romero. Allow the soothing music and uplifting affirmations to center your heart and mind in an awareness of God's love. Wake up, my dear sinners. Wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers and know that you are blessed? I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you the best. And I hope that you choose your own religion. Uh, David, thank you so much for uh, letting me come down here and have a conversation with you uh, about your, your practice and about 
I mean, there's so many cool instruments you have laid out here. Uh, I really, I, as we talked about, I really want to like play some of these. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just, <laughs> just itching to like get these vibrations in my body. But, uh, I do want to first get some, like just ask you more about your, your background. Um, because I, I knew a little bit about it, but then I, I looked up your website a little bit for in preparation for this interview. And so I found out you went, you, were, you grew up in Southern California, but at some point you were in the Air Force. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Wow. So, can you, so tell me what happened between like being an Air Force officer to now you're wearing uh, yogic robes and <laughs> we have three gong, gongs and bowls and, and this is the least when I think of the U.S. military this is not a place I, I would think of as something a, a veteran would set up right right um, well first off thanks for having me and, and chatting <laughs> yeah. with me I appreciate it um, you know I, I left the Air Force in 2008 and um, I wanted to get into medicine somehow and get into some sort of healing where I was working with people. And I went through a junior military officer recruiting firm uh, and they placed me with a job that uh, I really, really liked. It was a company called, at the time, ANS, Advanced Neuromodulation Systems. And they built this little device called a, um, a neuromodulation. It's called an IPG, Implantable Pulse Generator. And the purpose of this device was to be implanted in patients that had intractable low back pain, chronic pain, uh, and different types of just ongoing um, chronic pain. And I worked with this company for five to six years and uh, it shifted over to St. Jude Medical and, and it was a great company. and. Um, but I was just working really long hours. I was working uh, 60 to 70 hours a week. Uh, for me personally, I had a hard time setting boundaries for myself. So I felt like I was just always on call, service, service, service. And as much as I loved uh, working with these patients and working with these doctors here in the, in, in the Los Angeles area, it really just wore me down. Uh, especially because our team was undermanned, so it was just go, 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 go. And uh, after a while, uh, I finally was just like, I, I'm ready for a change. And uh, then I, I got picked up to, to work and uh, build surgery centers and, and recruit doctors to move into surgery centers to, 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 to help patients and, and different clients. And I just felt this calling to, to just follow yoga. I, I started taking yoga up because I was having back pain uh, and I was having just joint pain all around and uh, my mind was everywhere. And, and even after the first uh, um, while as being a teacher, I still struggled a little bit with balancing schedules and balancing, balancing life. And, you know, they, they say you go into yoga with you know, this, this intention and then it spits you out the other side and, you know, I'm still going through the spitting out <laughs> phase, but uh, I've always loved music and uh, I found yoga to be a relaxing practice and, and for a long time I was very much in the physical practice and, and now when we get past the physical, you know, we, we, we get more into the, we call it metaphysical, but, you know, the breath work, uh, we get into the connection to the 
you know, the who I am, why am I here? Uh, and I found that, you know, playing music and singing was, was a tool that helped me to connect to myself a little bit more, find a little more peace of mind. And then to be able to bring groups together to basically be still and relax and, you know, let someone else do the work for a little bit. And uh, I found this practice because I was, I held a retreat up in, uh, well, first, the first time I did this practice, I was 14 years old and I heard this old gentleman up on a stage at a youth church camp and he just had all these instruments and I was like, what is this? <laughs> this is awesome. And uh, that was always something in the back of my head. And in, in Ojai in 2015, I held a retreat and a woman by the name of Jamie Ford came up and she had all these gongs and bowls and I was like, this is so beautiful. I was like, I want to learn more. So uh, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to learn and teach myself and understand and, and play and one thing led to another and then now it's become <laughs> this huge unfolding. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're, and you're still teaching yoga over at USC right now yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. How is... So, okay, you talk about going in with yoga with certain intention. Um, now, with you, when you first got into yoga, was it, um, was there any, did you have an inkling of having a spiritual practice? And, like, I guess when you're teaching at a public university, or USC is private, though. USC is a private university. Is there a separate, do you still feel maintain, like, in a need to, uh, in an academic setting, you have to maintain, like, the spirituality separate from, I mean, what does your curriculum even look like, I guess, I guess was what I'm asking. Yeah, so great question. Um, so at USC, uh, it falls under the physical education department, and um, we teach yoga for beginners, yoga for intermediate, yoga for athletes, uh, kundalini, and then stress management, which involves different mindfulness practices. And I teach uh, a class called Yoga 120A, and basically it's an introduction to yoga. You know, in the Western world, we look at yoga as this physical practice and uh, body movements, postures, you know, how deep can I backbend, <laughs> arm balancing, handstanding. And while that is a part of it, and uh, I was really into that piece too, what I found was reading this curriculum and looking over the curriculum, it is a very methodical way of looking at yoga. And really the physical practice is a very, very small part of the, the, the overall. And at, at, at USC, we, we cover the history of yoga, a brief history. We cover some of the texts where uh, the concept of modern yogas come from, uh, the Upanishads, the Bhagavad Gita, Yoga Sutras, Hatha Yoga Pradipika, and various other books. And then we look at modern yoga because Life was very different, you know, in, in 200 BC, in 1300 uh, AD, and in 2000 years ago in the Vedic times. And, in and, India. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's looking at, well, how can we apply these principles to our modern society? So we stepped the, there, there's four basic systems of yoga. There's Jnana Yoga, the Yoga of Wisdom, Bhakti Yoga, the Yoga of Devotion, Karma Yoga, the yoga of service, and then uh, Raja Yoga, which is uh, yoga of discipline. And 
we focus mainly on the Raja Yoga, which means royal, uh, and the Ashtanga system, which means eight limbs. So in the eight limb system, uh, there is the don'ts, it's like don't harm people, don't hurt yourself and others, don't lie, steal, or cheat, conserve your energy, and practice non-attachment. So that's like one limb. And there's another limb that we focus on uh, that's focused on taking care of ourselves, practicing contentment, you know, uh, practicing motivation to be self-motivated and uh, practicing self-study, looking at ourselves. Why is these, are these things showing up in front of us? And if they are, well, looking at ourselves to understand how we got here, you know. And then finally, to touch on the spiritual practice, um, there's this practice called Ish Ishvada Pradhanadhan, which simply means to connect to one's higher power. Now, by itself, yoga isn't, um, isn't a religion. It's part of the six philosophy, Shatdarshana, but by itself, it's just a practice in mindfulness and connection uh, to what we would call the self. And so then the third limb, we practice asana and we teach them different postures and poses in Sanskrit and get them familiarized with that. In that case, in case they go to a studio outside uh, USC, they can practice and be familiar with different postures. And we practice breathing techniques, understanding that there is this invisible thing that we're doing all the time. And then if we don't do it, we're going to die. <laughs> you know, we can go 30 days without eating we can go about a week or two without drinking water, but we really can't go more than 15 minutes beside special breath holders out there like Wim Hof and, 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 and <laughs> David Blaine and a few <laughs> right. others that have, that, have, that have managed to do it. I think the world record's like 21 or 22 minutes, but, uh, <laughs> but for, the, for the common person, you know, the breath is what ties us to being above the earth, mm. you know, not below it. And so then we, we focus on breathing and understanding breath, how they're breathing throughout the day. Uh, we do food journals, uh, understanding what you're putting in your body. Uh, and so the fifth limb is, uh, that's part of the fifth limb, which is called Pratyahara. And we, we try to help them understand, well, how are you feeding yourselves daily? What are you listening to? Music. What are you watching? You know, your news feeds, your Instagram feeds. How are you taking that in, eating it up? Uh, um, how are you eating physical foods? How are the foods making you feel? You know, food's supposed to give us energy, not make us tired. If we're putting stuff in and we're just tasting, they're chasing sensations to tantalize our taste buds, but they're making us feel tired, then we should look at how are we really taking care of our bodies and how are we taking care of our hearts. And we teach them the basics of meditation, which are the last three limbs, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. And, and you know, uh, uh, you know, contemplating or concentrating, contemplating, and then this idea of enlightenment, you know, and for a lot of people, meditating is very challenging, so we try to get them to realize that you don't have to be floating on top of a mountaintop in order to be mm -hmm. enlightened, you know, uh, it's just discovering your truths, and once you discover some truths about yourself, it's living with those truths, and, um, you know, they really seem to get it, you know, they really, uh, uh, really seem to understand and I try not to put too much dogma in it because yoga has a lot of dogma. There's a lot of uh, uh, fuzzy words that are used and warm fuzzy phrases that we say. And I try to cut that out so that way it's applicable to college life because that's where they're at. Right. Yeah. So, you're, you're getting 
you know, you're partying Friday night and then you're, you're hungover. Maybe you don't want to think like, all right, this isn't, yeah, I don't want to think about my sixth or seventh limb, you right. know, <laughs> practice. Yeah. I just want to like do a downward dog so I feel better. Right. Um, well, that's, that's fascinating. Um, they are, they're our future, you know? So like I'm <laughs> teaching because like you are my future. I care about my future. I share this because I hope that the world is better than it is right now. And if, mm-hmm. and if you can be mindful and affect your partnerships, relationships, your, your loved ones, your families by the choices that you're making, then it's going to have a domino effect, whether it's just a small little touch or maybe you're doing something wonderful in this world and, mm. and they're all going to do wonderful things, but maybe they're just doing some really big life-changing, world-changing things. And, you know, um, if I can leave a little positive aspect to that, then great. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> and where does, um, now, when I went to, um, down to El Segundo to do uh, one of your sound baths, I, if I remember correctly, we had the option to do yoga like while we were like laying we wanted to kind of just lay there but like it seems like it wasn't really it wasn't really about doing yoga per se while a sound bath is happening i mean do you see these as separate sort of um practices or healing uh what you call it healing methods or is there an integrative element to this that uh that you present when you when you do a, a sound healing you know, I, yoga is simply union. That's all. Yoga means huge or yoke. So if you think of like a horse and a cart, there's something that holds the two together. And, you know, the practice is to move towards the center and understand what's holding the two together. And I encourage in the practice comfort in the practice. So if you need to move, move. If you have to cough, cough. You know, uh, um, in, in some practices, they call it purging, but you, uh, you have to get comfortable because the idea is for you to be inside your body. You know, we are human thinkings, not, or we are human beings, excuse me, <laughs> not human thinkings. And um, I was a human thinking right there. But uh, we're human beings, not human thinkings. And, you know, in the practice of healing, Healing takes place in the body. We can conceptualize healing all day long. We can go on WebMD. We can look things up. We can talk about, oh, we want to be healed. But that's all just mouth noises. And, and it's all, you know, verbiage up in the head that's coming out. But what's the body doing? And in order to practice healing, we have to be inside the body, which means getting back to a space of feeling. You know, we were given these gifts since the day we were born, most of us, and some were given other gifts that, that, that I can't quite comprehend, but we are given the gift of taste, smell, of hearing, of touch, of, of sight, and then, you know, for those that are in the more spiritual side, uh, intuitive sense with mindfulness, um, and these are all sensory perceptions that we have. So our body is constantly giving us the feedback, telling us where we are at any point in time. But the thing is, is the mind's running so fast that it forgets that these things are going on. And when we allow ourselves to get back into our body, we can actually feel quite a bit. We can feel what's going on around us. We can feel how the other person is feeling. But here's the thing, unless we're practicing it, 
we're not going to be able to experience it. You know, if I practice algebra or calculus, I'm going to get good at that. But that's all up in the head. If I get practice, if I practice placing my hands on people and feeling people, then I'm going to get good at that. A masseuse doesn't become a great masseuse by just thinking about being a masseuse. They have right. to use their hands in order to be a good masseuse. Mm. And same thing with a musician. A musician has to practice. Uh, if it's a violinist, uh, playing the bow across the string. And, you know, you can talk about it all day long, but unless you're connecting with it, then you're not going to be very good at it. And so with this practice, it is a practice. It's not a perfect, but it's a practice in being very, very still and centered and feeling what is going on in the room. Who needs what at the time? And a lot of people... Uh, that are outside the field may look at it and go, well, that's just a bunch of hoo-foo. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not the one practicing it. <laughs> and there's a lot that goes on behind, beyond the perception of just the, the five senses that we connect to. So mm. this practice is a practice in being in the body. And we bring people first into the body. So that way... If, if they start becoming a human thinking again and getting up at the head and thinking about sounds and images and words and all these other things that you observe. Just observe thoughts as they come up and then get back into the body again. Feel the body. Feel how the vibrations are moving through you, through your ears, the tympanic membranes. Feel how a sound may feel on your body and rest. Wow. And... In, in the practice of chronic pain, for those that are working through pain, you know, everything works in a frequency and in a cycle. And, and for instance, we wouldn't be able to speak these words in complete sentences unless we practiced it. And so as children in elementary school, we practiced over and over and over again to be able to recite and say these words so that way we have a sentence structure. Okay? Well individuals that may be experiencing chronic pain or chronic trauma or heartache or emotional pain. Um, just like we learned words or learned sentence structure or learned everything else in this experience, we've learned to repeat things over and over again. And that becomes a cycle. So we say to ourselves, my pain. You know, and there's, there's an old saying, thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, habits become character, character uh, uh, becomes our destiny. Mm. And so if we pull back all the way, it all starts off with a thought. And sometimes that can be a misbelief that someone put in our heads too. But it all starts with a thought somewhere. And so then we put that into words. And then we, you know, just start this cycle. If we can get people still long enough to just pause, let go of that cycle and be in the body, that cycle will start to shift. Think of like a bicycle, bicycle with two spokes in it, okay? If it's spinning, slowly you can throw a rock through it, okay? And if we can slow the mind down enough, more thought can get through. But when it's spinning really quickly, nothing can get through it, mm. you know? Yeah. And all that, all that shows up is the image of the pain, the feeling of the pain. That's all there is. But if we can slow the cycle down and interject you know positive reinforcement positive thought positive mantra um, we can start to shift that and you know for most people they experience pain 24 hours a day if they're chronic 
But if we can take a break from it for an hour or two hours, wow, now we've did a little progress. That's awesome. And, you know, I feel like it's, that speaks directly, uh, well, to me, even personally, on like, you know, that this day and age, it's been said before, and it will be continuing said, just how much, you know, the internet and our smartphones constantly with us mm. turns us away from these human beings into human thinkings, um, because it, they're constantly, when you're looking at a screen and you're reading, it, you're totally, and I'm, I'm speaking, when I say you, I'm talking to me, I am stuck in this world of concepts and of thought and mm -hmm. of mind and it's i'm totally disconnected from my body when i'm looking at any of that stuff mm -hmm. i'm not even paying attention to like how my shoulders are hunched or how i'm like you know bent over one direction or, or something like that and i'm totally and you're right when i it, it's it's words that bike spoke <laughs> right. faster and faster and faster right um so i have um i've definitely found found mindfulness practice to be super beneficial to that. And it's those weeks when I feel the most plugged in that I feel probably the most residual pain too. Cause I just, I don't even, and you don't even know exactly why you just feel a generalized, like the pain. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's really cool. Um, well, I, I wanted to maybe shift towards looking at these awesome, beautiful instruments. Um, when, and when you, Maybe you can maybe walk me through like, do you have a general structure for most of your, your healing sort of like you work your way from one to another or is that part of your intuition that you feel out what's right in the moment? If you have like a general starting point or something, maybe we could start. Yeah, so with the practice, uh, I usually start off with getting individuals into their bodies and, and that's usually through breath work. And then, you know, like right now, for instance, you know, we've been breathing the whole time, but have we been really cognizant of us breathing? You know, it's just, it's part of the autonomic nervous system. It just happens. But when we are able to slow it down, then we start to become aware of, well, there's this thing taking place inside of me right now. And then we go deeper into, you know, feeling the body. So then it becomes a, 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 an abridged variation of Vipassana. In all meditation and all this, Meditation is simply means to become familiar with. So we're becoming familiar with the body again. So stepping them through a, a basic practice and, well, how does your hand feel right now? Can you even feel it? You know, how does your other hand feel? Can you feel your heartbeat? It's been doing it the entire time we've been mm -hmm. here. You know, and this thing beats for you. And then, you know, in a talk track like that. And then um, I, I just try to feel the room. Um, depending on the, the type of individuals that show up and I, I try to talk to people as they come in to see where they're feeling the pain or where they may be experiencing trauma you know if they're play, if, if they're ex experiencing pain in the heart I may start off with a certain tone um, so when we start to talk about sound therapy and sound healing uh, I look at the body as a musical scale C being the bass C being low C being the base, high C being the, the top above the head. And if I hear people are having a lot of stuff with support in their in their life and, and feeling ungrounded, then I might play a deeper tone to begin with, just to create grounding. Um, uh, um, you know, and it's really just I don't this isn't a performance for me this is a practice in feeling what the room needs. And um, 
I just try to feel what the room is needing at any given moment. And then I play by my breath. So I'm breathing the entire time and chanting mantras in my mind. And um, I shift when I feel like that's enough. And the only way for me to know that's enough is to connect with my breath. So I'm breathing in the entire time, breathing in, breathing out. And then when I finally am able to take a long, deep breath, that's the truth in the moment. It's time to let go and shift gears and play something different. Um, so, you know, generally, maybe a bowl at the beginning, something to just drop them in uh, to their bodies where they can feel it in their body. And then from there, it's just wide open to what I'm feeling as I move around the room because I don't just stay up here. I, I usually walk around the room and, and, and feel what people are going through. Mm. It's sort of like, it's sort of like, a, um, you know, it sounds almost sci-fi, but it's like walking into a stream and you can feel different currents and undercurrents and everybody has an energy associated with them. You know, there's, for instance, and I'll give you an example. You know, you ever shake someone's hand and immediately wipe your hand off? You know, <laughs> sure. it just didn't yeah. feel like, you know, like it'd be the same thing to a dog and a dog just kind of shakes it off. Other times a dog won't. Um, you know, in this practice, you're connecting to a lot of different energies. And the thing is, is that people think the energy is just physical in their body. And really there is stuff going on outside of them that they, they carry with them. That's why sometimes, you know, we use these words like aura, you know, but sometimes you're around someone's aura and it just doesn't feel quite right. So you just want to shift away, you know, mm. or you, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving in a room, you're kind of feeling all this stuff and sensing what people perhaps are going through. Um, heaviness, or maybe they need something lighter, something. So uh, we have crystal bowls, and then we have wind instruments. And um, wind instruments are really powerful because it's like giving breath to somebody. In yoga, we call it pranayama, the prana, life force or energy. That's this thing we, we breathe in and out. Um, Scientific scientists like to call it oxygen and nitrogen and hydrogen and helium and uh, all these other carbon dioxide and we like to give things names and labels and that's fine but whatever it is we're breathing it in and it's giving us energy so yogis before they had microscopes and all that they just realized that if they breathe they give them energy so playing Native American flutes and uh, um, different tones and in different places and uh, rain sticks you know the idea of a sound bath is we're washing things away and so metaphorically speaking you know washing the stuff off of people you know we we take baths every day to wash the dirt off our skin well what do you do for your emotions when you want to wash your emotions away what do you do for for when you're just feeling down and depressed? Do you just continue to work out? Or, or how do you wash that stuff away? So we use these different instruments and vibrations help to do that. It helps to release. Uh, 
And that's what I learned when I sold medical devices, was that TENS unit trans-electronic nerve stimulators help to make blood flow go through the body a little bit more. You're mm -hmm. opening up capillaries, you're opening up tense areas where now blood flow can move through the body, you know, if you want to look at it more scientifically. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between, like, let's say, um, maybe a, a, the vibrations that, let's say, a gong gives off where it feels like, you know, you're blasting me with, like, one big long like prolonged like and then slowly diminishing sound versus let's say like a drum beat where it's like a regular rhythmic more right um do you see one or the other doing different things for your energy i mean when i when i've felt a gong go through me it feels like it feels like i've had like negative energy literally be like all right i'm going i'll get out of here let me like get like like they would picture them standing up and saying all right i'm going yeah um so great question again um different instruments for different things drums is good for um uh entrainment um you know our brains work at different frequencies and we have our conscious frequencies we have our subconscious frequencies, we have our mid-sleep frequencies, and we have our deep sleep frequencies. I believe it's alpha, beta, theta, and delta. And when we start to have, for instance, rhythmic drum beats, we can move the brain into a more, all, everybody that's at a sound bath, move it more into a um, uh, um, same pattern so that everybody's along the same, basically riding the same wave. And so it helps to focus on that. Uh, there is a, uh, I believe his name is Michael Harmon. He, he was an anthropologist, uh, or archaeologist, excuse me, that got into Native American healings and studied sweat lodges and different uh, Native cultures. And they used drums to bring tribes into uh, basically meditations. And so you use a drum to, to just take the mind away from the thought. We focus on it and then it just, just clicks over. It's sort of like uh, um, starting a, a pulled lawnmower. You know, just mm -hmm. the brain's going, the brain's going, and then all of a sudden kicks over. And then now you're in and the mind is synced up. Mm. Whereas uh, with gongs, uh, gongs are played at different parts. You play different parts of the gong uh, at different rates. Um, I do the same thing with patterning. Uh, it's a pattern gong tap. Uh, different parts of the gong are gonna release different, uh, um, different uh, tones. Now these particular gongs are called planetary gongs and they're based off of the calculations of Hans Cousteau. And, and from a scientific standpoint, what they represent is, you know, we as human beings are part of the cosmos. For some reason, we think we're not part of this big universe. You know, we are affected by the tides. We are affected by the moon. We are affected by seasons because we're all a part of it. And so with that said, this gentleman named Hans Kuss um, did the calculations of all the vibrations of the planet. You know, our Earth wobbles 
based on the moon, based on Mars, based on Venus, based on the sun, mm -hmm. because they're all body of masses moving around one another. And we are also part of that moving. So playing these instruments um, in patterns just connects us to all of it. You know, and it's, it's a subtle thing. It's not a, uh, uh, I mean, sometimes obviously you can feel the vibrations, but it, it works on the most subtle level. You know, the basic building lock of life is an atom, okay? And an atom makes up a molecule. Molecules make up complex molecules. Complex molecules make up cell matter and DNA. Cell matter and DNA make up cells, and that's all vibrating. Cells are vibrating, which make up tissue. That's all vibrating. We can't see it based off of our eyes, mm -hmm. but that's vibrating. And then tissue makes up organs. Organs make up organ systems, and the organ systems makes up the complete whole body being. So we are all vibrating. We have different resonant frequencies, but we're all affected by the same frequencies. So the idea behind these gongs are that they just wash away. Cool. Can you tell me more about the Shruti box? Um, I mean, do you know, I don't, really, I don't want to put you on the spot if you're like, I don't know, it sounds cool. Yeah, <laughs> but, it does sound Because cool. <laughs> uh, I, I love the Shruti box, um, but I don't know anything really about its like history or its, um, it's I've, whenever I've heard it, it seems in context of like people singing over it a lot of yeah. times. Yeah, Shruti Box, I love it. It's a, it's a very simple instrument. Um, I believe the original origins were from China. And, uh, and it was adapted uh, in India. And essentially you have bellows, you have brass reeds inside of it that vibrate as the air pushes through it. Uh, you have what looks almost like a piano keys, except they're slides. Mm -hmm. And uh, you basically would play it as you would a, a piano, except in pressing, instead of pressing the key down, you just slide it open. And the air flows through, and um, you, know, you, you play it at different rates. The more, you, the more of the keys you have open, the more uh, you're gonna have to uh, uh, feather the baffle but yeah, you sing over it and it's used for if you want to om or chant or uh, I, I like to sing a bunch of different songs over it. I, I you know, honestly, I like to start singing in the key of uh, C uh, and variations of the key of C. But, um, you know, when, when we sing, it's, it's singing in the heart. And what that particular instrument taught me was how to sing uh, because I'd always been afraid of my voice always been afraid of, of speaking up or sharing truth and uh, one thing that I found with the instrument was healing happens when we can speak and sing from our hearts so when I play it regardless if the key if, if I'm on key or off key if my voice sounds scratchy or not scratchy if I can feel it in my heart and get out of my head thinking about how I'm playing then I know that some healing's taking place and I know that if I can feel it here other people are going to be able to feel it too and at that point, if someone out in the audience is judging my voice, I would say to them, get out of your head. Feel <laughs> it in your body. Mm. You know, because this isn't about judgment. We've been judging ourselves the entire time we've been here on this planet. We want to heal. Healing takes inside, place inside the body. 
not inside the judging mind. Because at the end of the day, we were taught to judge by something, by somebody. And if we go back to all of it, go back to where the thought came from. Stop the thought. Find stillness. There is no pain in stillness. I love that. Um, and what you said about like, you know, singing from the heart has been something I've, I've noticed a lot with my own, um, as I've been rediscovering my voice yeah. this year, I, I also have been um, very afraid or hesitant or, un, you know, not very confident in my own voice. I mean, I took like, you know, I was like in high school, I got roped into taking high school chorus by, because I was like a theater kid and everybody's like, oh, do the musical. But to do the musical, you have to like take high school chorus. So I was like, all right, yeah. cool, whatever, I'll do it. But I, I was never very um, feeling, yeah, very confident in it. And then, you know, recently I've been more getting back in touch with it. And, um, but I've also noticed too, when I've like been practicing songs and I've been like wanting to nail, like, you know, get it right, like nail it. I sound, I've been, pra like, I'll, I'll practice them and I'll be very, like, in my head about nailing the notes and it sounds so different. And But w the, the second I can let go and when I remember what the song originally meant to me, mm -hmm. like, what, my, what I'm thinking about right now is uh, the song, like, How Can I Keep From Singing, which is, like, originally a Christian hymn that I've uh, modified, oh, other people have modified the lyrics to and I've <laughs> added some of my own yeah. to, like, make it a little less uh, Christian centric. But um, when I get back into that feeling of it, it always sounds way better when you're singing from the heart too. Yeah. But my question to you maybe is, um, would you, would you say is uh, the practice part, is that necessary to be, is there a level of like it's necessity to be sort of in your head when you are to perfect, like, let's say the skill side of like learning an instrument or learning your voice. And then we practice in our head so that we can let go when we're ready to perform or when we're ready to like, we, so that we can be less conscious about, um, about our playing. I, I believe it's a constant practice. There's some things that I believe are important um, totems for this particular practice. One is, uh, one of my mentors and, and, and beloved uh, sound healers that I've worked with, his name is Rene Jenkins, and he is, him and Tito La Rosa in Central America are like the grandfathers of sound healing. And Rene taught me, he lives in Northern California, he taught me to have a mesa at the front. So that way, if you're getting in your head about something, go back to your mesa, mm -hmm. go back to the table, Okay, you're here to serve people, not be in your head. Mm. People are energetically paying money to do this work. They're not paying you to be in your head. <laughs> like they're, you know, um, and, and it's a part of the practice, absolutely. But having totems and having things that bring us back into the present, uh, I, I have a picture of my mom I, I put up and um, I hadn't get, got had a chance to put her up yet, but uh, she was a drug and alcohol psychologist and a special education teacher. And um, she's always just been this wonderful presence in my life. And I lost her at the, uh, well, I've gained her, uh, but she transitioned at the, when I was 18 years old from breast cancer. Mm. But I keep a picture of, of her up front because that way if my mind starts to wander and think about how I'm doing or how I'm playing or how I may have messed up on something. 
like that's life, you know, and we have to forgive ourselves and she's just a constant reminder of just love. Love the fact that you get to do this. Love the fact that you get to hold space, that, that, that you're sharing this, you know, we call it a gift. I don't know what it is. I just know it feels right and it feels good. So go back to the mesa, reset your table, and then serve. I love that. Um, and then I think we're getting close to wrapping up, but I wanted to ask one maybe more uh, I don't know if this is a selfish question or not, but when I when I was like going over and like thinking about your own your own path that has taken so many interesting turns, um, and and I'm at a, a point in my career, my life where I feel at a crossroads, or I'm not sure if I should keep going on certain projects or if I should be taking left or right turns, um, transitions, um, and when. When you have, when you decide that you need to make a shift, or when you've made shifts, what do you? When do you? Like, what are some of the markers of that? When do you know? When have you felt? Like, what do you look for when you're like, all right, I need to keep going. I need to push through like this thing because it's hard. Versus like, I feel called to do something else. One transition that's really taken place in me over the last two years, and really this past year is. Don't do something because of money. Mm. Money is a byproduct of the love that we choose to give and share. And, you know, in, in yoga and mindfulness and, and faiths, they, they say believe or trust. And it's believing that, you know, first off, we're here right now. You know, so that's a good marker for success that we get to sit here and talk and share and and be able to collaborate and, and meet as minds the second is that money is just energy and a lot of our motivations in the Western world is to make this money but what are we gonna do with it when we we, we, we die and we pass you know and we get buildings named after us yeah we get we get stuff <laughs> named after us you know um, but but really it, it's it's a beautiful thing and, and I was lost for a long time in the concept that in order to be somebody or do something uh, you had to make a lot of money and the thing is I've met a lot of assholes in my career and my <laughs> life that have made a lot of money and I've also made a lot of great people that have made a lot of money too and I just said to myself you know I trust that if I let go of this, all else will show up. And so I, I trust in putting my love into the work that I do, um, practicing being more aware. You know, I've cleaned up my body quite a bit with my own healthy practices. And because I've done that also, I feel very clear and more, you know, we use the word awake sometimes, but I just feel more alive and awake and perceptive of what's taking place around me. I don't feel like I'm dumbing myself down um, with excess anymore. I really try to watch when am I starting to sensation hunt? You know, because as human beings, part of the beingness is, is that we, we hunt to fulfill sensations, whether it's our taste buds or for um, 
uh, sensuality or for uh, we have a hard time being by ourselves and I've been spending a lot of time by myself and what I've come to realize is this whole experience with the right frame of mind is just a dance and how do I want to dance with what's in front of me how do I want to touch what's in front of me and I do believe that we're here to learn a lot about love how to learn or learn to love our brothers and sisters how to learn to accept this body that we came into, um, accept the fact that there were misbeliefs put on us for a very long time and generations before that. We've come to accept them, but now it's our time to wake up and show up and realize that I'm not this definition that everybody else is giving me I make the rules and as long as those rules fall within being a good person, loving somebody as they are, sharing from the heart, seeing people as they are behind all the makeup and all the hair and everything else but really seeing inside of them and feeling myself as I look at that other person or as I go through the experience and seeing myself inside that experience, then I'm doing the right thing. And it's trusting that dance and being in it and not in my head about it. Right on, man. I love that. Um, I feel like that was exactly what I needed to hear, too. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be, I, you know, I have to pass by a jack-in-the-box every day to go home. So it's, uh, as far as clearing my brain up, I need to clear that up some more, too. Uh, oh, you know, it's practice you know I go by an old bar I, all the time and I'm like damn I want that margarita <laughs> you know but then I'm like well why do I want it because most of the time when I wanted it I just wanted to like get over something or dumb myself down and that's just me personally I don't, oh, yeah. I'm not, I don't project that on anybody but for me it was like I'm so tired of, of everything I just want to be asleep I just want to you know not feel right distract yeah and yeah. and I've done that so long, it's like, well, what does it feel like to feel? It actually feels pretty damn good. Like, yeah. it, it, I feel great, you know, and I, uh, it's a balance, you know, and, and, and it's, you can go too far right, too far left, and, uh, you know, uh, it's just finding where your happy medium is, and it's not the definition of somebody else's happy medium, it's, where you're happy and balanced. Right on. Well, uh, thank you for sitting down and talking to me. Um, where can people find you or uh, follow you on social media or anything? Oh, um, you can go to www.theyogidr.com and uh, I'm going to be updating my website. Uh, I post a lot on Facebook and Instagram under David Romero or my Instagram's theyogidr2. I used to do a lot of yoga postures, but now it's really moving towards mindfulness and moving beyond the physical. But, uh, you know, you can find me on there and, uh, you know, just that's where I put all my stuff for when I, when I do these sound creations and, and sound baths and right on. the work I do. Thank you. And uh, do you mind, if not, it's fine too, but do you mind if I... Um, post uh, a sound healing at the end of this this interview 
Yeah, absolutely. Great. So you, yeah, you'll just just keep listening after this, and you'll hear a nice long uh, example of what we were just talking about. So um, anyway, thanks again, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for 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 doing what you're doing. I, you trust what you're doing. Trust I'm, all of it. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. But yeah. thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, brother. All right, folks. That was the interview with David. The sound bath is next. Find more info on David at theyogidoctor.com. Go to chooseyourownreligion.com for more old episodes of this. Leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a rating or review somewhere to help me in some algorithms. That's awesome. I hope to see you at the live show March 4th, 6.30 p.m., the clubhouse. That's it. I love you. Enjoy.
What's a creative podcast network?